Hi, my name is Mr. C. Welcome to Mr. C's Reading Room. The story you're about to hear is an original story based on true events. The purpose of this story is to educate listeners on recognizing and handling the problems that kids face in everyday life while helping to engage in meaningful conversations. The title of today's story is JJ and the Bully. J.J. and the Bully by Joe Chiaravallo J.J. and his family moved from the cool, rainy climate of Seattle, Washington, to the desert heat of Scottsdale, Arizona about two years ago when he was eight years old. At first, J.J. hated leaving his friends in Seattle, but once he lived in Arizona for a few months, he liked the idea of being able to play outside almost every day. That is, if he could stand the heat that is sometimes hot enough to melt car tires. At home, J.J. was the little funny man who always liked to play tricks on his parents, and especially his older brother, Dylan. They, in turn, enjoyed pranking him. He always had to be on the lookout for any sudden surprises from his parents, and especially Dylan, the king of pranks. One of Dylan's better capers was the time when he put honey in J.J.'s Axe shampoo bottle. While taking a shower one night, J.J. hadn't realized that Dylan put honey in the bottle until he poured the stuff all over his head. Dylan laughed for a whole week, which is about how long it took to get the sticky, sugary smell out of his hair. While it was true that his hair did smell good during that time, the problem was that Beast would chase him home from school. JJ had an extremely outgoing personality, and he could keep up with his older brother when it came to pranking each other. However, it was a completely different story when he left the security of his home. Outside of the house, he was painfully shy. Although he had heard about a thousand compliments over the years from aunts, uncles, grandparents, his parents' friends, and even strangers that he was a handsome young man with his light blue eyes and long blonde hair, he never really believed what he was being told, even if they were positive accolades. They were just probably trying to be nice, he would always tell himself. As the first day of school approached, JJ began to get anxious about the prospect of trying to make new friends, especially when he realized that most kids in his school probably knew each other since kindergarten. All the horror stories he had heard about the new kid in school raced through his head, and it made it hard for him to get comfortable with the idea of starting a new school, so much so that he got only a couple hours of sleep the night before the first day of school. JJ's saving grace, though, was that he was good at sports. He was probably better at most sports than most kids his age, maybe even kids a couple years older than he was. Being a jock was always a good way for him to make friends. It always amazed him how everyone... Even his enemies would gather around and congratulate him when he scored a homer in playground kickball, or scored a winning three-pointer in basketball, or caught the winning touchdown of football. The problem was that it might take some time to show off his talents. But until then, he fully expected to get some grief for being the new kid. Much to JJ's surprise, though, the first couple of days of school were fine. Maybe it was due to the fact that everyone was too busy getting used to the school rules, classes, teachers, ever teens to bother one another. Maybe starting a new school won't be so bad after all, JJ thought to himself after the first week of school was over. During the first week, JJ had managed to talk to a few classmates, and he actually made a friend with a kid named Matt. JJ found out that Matt was a sporter like he was. Both boys liked baseball, and their favorite major league team was the Oakland A's. Matt was wearing an A's baseball hat when they first met on the school playground. Liking Oakland was unusual due to the fact that most people who live in the area like teams from Arizona or Texas, 
but no one in her right mind liked the A's, especially that far away from Oakland. That along with the fact that there are probably only about 20,000 true Oakland A's fans in the whole world made the relationship an especially rare one. Once again, sports was an icebreaker for JJ. His father always told him that if you want to make friends, try to find some similarities you have and just talk about them. You like the A's? JJ asked. Matt turned around. Yep. Me too. I liked them all my life. So have I. Matt suddenly had a quizzical look on his face. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Who are you? I'm JJ. I just moved here from Seattle a couple of weeks ago. I'm Matt. I lived here all my life. JJ nodded. Cool. Do you play video games, JJ? Heck yeah. That's all I ever do. Matt laughed. Yeah, me too. What do you like to play? Matt thought about it for a moment. Grand Theft Auto, Madden Football, Major League Baseball, Fortnite. They're all pretty good. Matt turned his attention back to JJ. You should come over to my house sometime. Sounds like a plan. JJ and Matt were fast friends ever since. They ate dinner at each other's house, had sleepovers, and went on outdoor adventures together. Once Matt discovered that JJ was cool and not a total dweeb, he eventually introduced JJ to all of his friends and told JJ important stuff like what teachers were strict and should be avoided and what places are cool to go to if he was looking to have some fun. Probably the most important thing that Matt clued JJ into, though, was what kids he should avoid at all costs. One person in particular was a tall, skinny dude with a military-type buzz haircut named Danny. The nine-year-old kid terrorized the playground of Woodrow Roosevelt Elementary School. The name Danny Edwards struck fear in the hearts of every eight, nine, and ten-year-old boy and girl in the school. <laughs> I think he was arrested when he was six, Matt joked. What's his deal, JJ wanted to know. Matt just shrugged his shoulders. Don't know. But I heard that his mom and dad got divorced about a year ago when his dad moved to California. Danny's acted weird ever since. That's gotta suck. Probably. What's worse is I heard him say that his mom's boyfriend treats him like crap. And he says that it seems like his mom doesn't even care about him anymore. JJ looked skyward and shook his head. No wonder why he's the way he is. Have you ever tried to talk to him? Sort of, about a year ago. Well, what did he say? Matt smiled. Nothing. I just happened to be in his way when he walked by one day and he pushed me to the ground. Nice. I think he's fought everyone in the school at one time or another. Well, why doesn't someone tell Principal Phillips? Because if Danny found out that you ratted on him, he'd probably hit you so hard your mom would feel it. Just then, Danny came into view. Here he comes, Matt whispered. Just pretend he's not even there. JJ swallowed hard and looked away from Danny. Got it. Who the heck are you, Danny said in a high-pitched voice when he approached JJ. JJ did what Matt said and made believe he didn't even hear Danny. I said, who are you, he repeated, pushing JJ's head. He's new here, Matt chimed in. What are you, his mother? I'm not talking to you. Having the older brother was finally paying off for JJ. Years of pink bellies, purple nurples, and wedgies at the hand of Dylan had hardened JJ over the years. He may have been passive in general, but when provoked, JJ could shake off his shyness and defend himself, even if the troublemaker was bigger and older than he was. Maybe it was because he knew that whatever may happen to him, Dylan would always have his back if he got into real trouble. JJ turned and looked directly at Danny and smiled. I'm JJ. I just moved here from Seattle. Danny moved to within a couple of inches of JJ's face. I'm Danny, and I don't think I like you. JJ took a step backward. Don't crowd me. What are you going to do about it? 
JJ shoved Danny and knocked him back on his heels. That's what I'm going to do. Matt stepped in between them. Leave him alone, Danny. He's not bothering you. Before JJ could tell Matt to stay out of it and that he could take care of his own battles, Danny turned and punched JJ in the eye, knocking him to the ground. Matt got between Danny and JJ so that he wouldn't hit him again. What's your problem? Danny now turned his attention to Matt. You're my problem. Matt, feeling brave from JJ's show of strength, got in Danny's face. Go ahead and try something if you think you're tough. Matt had known Danny since kindergarten. He also knew what he was capable of. Matt raised his hands, which were now clenching a fist, as he stood toe-to-toe with Danny. Although he was ready for a fight, in reality, when it came to sticking up for himself or his friends, a battle of words was as far as Matt was usually willing to go with his antagonists. Just leave us alone or I'm going to tell Principal Phillips. Danny took another step closer to Matt. Go ahead, but if you do, I'll do what I did to your little friend here, he exclaimed as he pointed down to JJ, who was still on the ground and rubbing his eye. Matt didn't answer, and then after what seemed like an eternity, Danny finally turned to leave. Before he did, though, he pointed down at JJ. If I ever see you again, you're going to get worse. Matt and JJ watched as Danny walked away. When it was safe, Matt helped JJ up. By this time, JJ's eye was black and swollen. Are you okay? I'm fine. He was trying hard not to cry from the pain as he stood up and brushed himself off. That kid's a real dirtbag. Huh, you think, Matt joked? They looked at each other and began to laugh. Yeah, I think so. One day, someone is going to mess him up real good. Well, I hope I'm there to see that, laughed JJ. Before JJ's parents got home that night, he tried to think of a believable excuse to explain his black and swollen eye. He wanted desperately to tell them the truth, let them know what happened and who punched him. But he knew that if Danny ever found out that he told his parents and that they then called the principal and he found it necessary to spend some type of punishment on Danny, the beating he'd get would probably be far worse than the first one he received. The thought of walking around and looking like a raccoon with two black eyes didn't appeal to him in the least. Now, in the end, he knew that it was in his best interest just to make up a story. JJ came down for dinner when his mom called him. He had deftly avoided looking directly at his mom, if he could. He played it casual when he got to the dining room, acting as if his nothing happened. Unfortunately, his plan didn't last very long. What the heck happened to your eye, his mom inquired, even before his butt hit the dining room chair. What? What do you mean, what? Your eye? What happened to your eye? She came over and gave the eye a closer inspection. Oh, that. It's nothing. Nothing? Your eye is black and it's almost swollen closed. Ah, Matt threw a football and I missed it, he said. No big deal. It looks worse than it feels. His mom went to the freezer and took out a frozen bag of peas. Put this on your eye. The cold will take down the swelling. Just as he put the bag on his eye, his dad came in the room. Hey, sport, you're supposed to cook them before you eat them. Show dad your eye. JJ took the bag off his eye and showed his dad the damage. Who hit you, sport? Leave it to his dad. JJ might be able to fool his mom, like the times when he faked being sick because he forgot to study for a test. His dad, however, was different. He never fell for such baloney. That was why when JJ wanted something, he would always start with his mom first. No, Dad, I was at Matt's house, and we were playing football. I just missed the ball, and it hit me in the eye. His dad gave him a skeptical look. "Mm Mm-hmm. Are you going to stick to that story? Well, that's what happened. His dad sat down at the table and suddenly got serious. Are you really all right, JJ? I'm fine, Dad. Okay, but if anything is happening to you at school, you'll let us know, right? 
It made J.J. feel good knowing his dad probably didn't believe his story. But he understood him enough to know not to probe any further. J.J. smiled. You'll be the first to know, Dad. After the punching incident, J.J., like most other students at the school, avoided Danny like the flu. Even though Danny was a year older than J.J. and Matt, they had the unfortunate luck of having him in the same grade, which meant their paths would cross during the course of any day. That was because Danny stayed back in the first grade. Even though J.J. tried to avoid Danny, it wasn't always that easy, especially since J.J. learned from Matt that he lived on the same street as Danny did and that he had to pass by Danny's house to get to his. Due to that fact, every day at the stroke of three, when school was over, J.J. was on his bike and racing for home in the hopes of getting past Danny's house without incident. One day after school, before he went home, J.J. decided to talk to Matt about a possible sleepover on the weekend. J.J. told Matt that he couldn't talk too long, though, because he had to get past Danny's house before the bully got home. However, when they recalled that they hadn't seen Danny at school that day, it seemed safe enough to hang out for a little while before heading home. They both figured that he was out because Principal Phillips somehow found out about Danny punching J.J. out. That had to be it, admitted Matt. Kids that bad never miss school. They're always there. They're never sick. Even their parents don't want them home, Matt joked. J.J. wasn't even thinking about Danny when he approached his house, when all of a sudden, out of the corner of his eye, he saw Danny tearing off his porch and heading straight toward him. Before he could turn around, Danny ran up and grabbed J.J.'s bike by the handlebars. What are you doing around here, pretty boy? Danny sneered. What's it to you? I live here and I don't like people biking on my lawn. I didn't bike on your lawn. I didn't even know you lived there. Well, I do live here. And if I see you around here again, you're going to get your head handed to you. You understand? J.J. thought about telling Danny that he lived right down the street. And chances were good they'd probably meet again. But he decided not to say anything and instead try to find some other way to get home. But that would be hard, especially since they lived on a long cul-de-sac that was surrounded by woods. Unfortunately, J.J. not only had to worry about being harassed on the playground, now he had to be aware of Danny's whereabouts when going to and heading home from school. But at least now he knew exactly where Danny lived. He again toyed with the idea of telling his parents, or even his teacher, Mrs. Miller, what was happening to him. But he was still too afraid to say anything for fear that he would have his head handed to him by Danny. He couldn't live every day worrying and looking over his shoulder, waiting for an inevitable attack who knows when or where. J.J. had gym on Wednesdays. The period after gym was lunch, so one day, to save valuable recess time, he decided to take his lunch with him to gym. He left the bag on the stand so no one would touch it. He even wrote J.J. on it so that everyone would know it was his. The class went outside for gym, and when they came back 45 minutes later, J.J. grabbed his lunch bag and made his way to the school cafeteria. Running around in gym class gave him an appetite. When he got to the cafeteria, he saw that Matt was already there. J.J. went and sat next to him and started opening his lunch bag. When he did, though, he immediately knew that something was wrong. The wrapping around his sandwich looked like it was open and then hastily wrapped up again. His mom had been making him lunches for years, but she always wrapped his sandwiches with care. She would sometimes even put little notes in his lunch bag like, have a great day, or always try to do your best. When he took the wrapping off his PB&J, he saw that someone had taken a big bite out of it. The thought of eating a sandwich that was handled by someone else, and what was worse, bitten into, made his stomach turn. He wrapped up the sandwich without taking a bite. What's wrong? Matt wanted to know. 
he showed him his sandwich. Someone took a bite out of it. Really? That's gross. Who would do that? I don't know, but I could probably guess who might do something like this. JJ and Matt scanned the cafeteria for possible perpetrators. At about the same time, the boy spotted Danny eating at a table by himself. Matt pointed to where Danny was sitting. I'll bet that dork did it. He's taken other kids' lunches before. Well, I might as well have my sandwich too. I'm not going to eat it. Who knows what he did to it? JJ just shook his head. Who eats other people's food? It kind of sucks for Danny, though. What? You're defending him? No way. I just mean sometimes I see that he doesn't bring anything to eat. Really? Yep. One day, when everyone left the cafeteria, I even saw him take some food from the garbage can. Suddenly, JJ felt bad. He turned to look at Danny. Maybe I should give him my sandwich anyway. Matt thought about it for a second. Well, maybe if he asked you if you could have half your sandwich. But since he bit into it without asking, I wouldn't give it to him. You're right. Anyway, if I give him something today, I'll probably be feeding that kid for the rest of my life. He wrapped up the sandwich and threw it away. Matt gave JJ half of his sandwich. Here, I hope you like turkey and cheese. JJ grinned. Are you kidding? I'm so hungry I could eat the bag. Over the course of the next few weeks, Danny took a liking to JJ. That is, he liked to pick on him. One day, Danny cornered JJ at a place in the playground where he couldn't be seen by any teachers who patrolled the school playground. Hey, pretty boy, give me a dollar. JJ tried to walk away, but Danny pushed him back. I don't have any money, JJ exclaimed. Danny grabbed JJ by the shoulders with both hands. I said, give me a dollar or I'll blacken your other eye. JJ knew this was more than an idle threat. He thought about running away, but he knew if Danny ever caught him, he would probably get a worse beating. JJ slowly reached into his pants pocket and took out $2 bills. Before he could peel one off and give it to Danny, he took both bills out of JJ's hands. Hey, I thought you said you only wanted a dollar. I did, but you said that you didn't have any money. Danny held up a dollar bill. This one is for lying to me. Danny turned to leave, but before he did, he gave JJ a warning. If you don't give me a dollar every day from now on, I'm going to pound you into the ground. And if you tell anybody about this, he stopped short of his threat and started to punch his right fist into his left hand. JJ knew what Danny meant. Now he had to donate a dollar every day to Danny or have to face the consequences. He didn't know how he was going to get out of this one. And since it was costing him a small fortune, he had to think fast. JJ had to come up with an idea on how he could keep from giving all his lunch money away to Danny. He finally came up with an idea of keeping the money in his shoe. But not just in his shoe, he would put the money in the bottom of his sock. Danny might think of asking him to take off his shoe to look for money, but he would never think of asking him to take off his socks. JJ got used to putting his lunch money in his sock when he got dressed in the morning. He wouldn't have to wait long to see if whether or not the trick was going to work. On the second day that he started putting the money in his sock, Danny once again approached him. All right, pretty boy, pay up. Danny turned his pockets inside out to show he was broke. I forgot to bring money with me today. Danny looked closely at the outturned pockets. Okay, where are you hiding the money? I told you I don't have any money. He wagged his pockets to show that they were empty. Suddenly, Danny picked up JJ and tackled him to the ground. Dumbass, shoes are the most obvious place to hide money. He was no doubt speaking from experience. He started taking off JJ's shoes one at a time. 
While JJ was struggling to get up, Danny took off his left shoe first. When it was off, he shook it and discovered there was nothing in it. He then took off his right shoe, and like the first one, Danny found nothing. What's your problem? JJ wanted to know while he was still on the ground. I told you I didn't have any money. Danny said nothing, but as JJ started to get up, he pushed him back down with his foot, and he started reaching for JJ's socks. He started taking them off of JJ. He took off the right sock first and shook it, and when he did, the $3 that JJ had stashed in it came out. I knew you had money on you. He threw the sock at JJ. Next time, just give me the money and we can avoid all this. JJ got up when Danny finally left. He was tired of getting beat up by this bully. He knew the time had come when he had to talk to someone about what was happening to him. But who could he talk to who wouldn't make the circumstances worse for him? After much consideration, J.J. decided to discuss the situation with his brother Dylan. After all, who would know better about bullying than the master tormentor? J.J. knocked on Dylan's bedroom door one day after school before their parents got home. What do you want, dweeb? was Dylan's greeting. Can I talk to you a second? Go away, I'm busy. Please, Dylan, I need your help with something. Dylan opened the door and let J.J. in. What do you want? It was hard for him to start. Uh, I need some advice from you. Dylan turned his full attention to J.J. when he heard the sound of fear in his brother's voice. He could always tell when J.J. was feeling bad, and even though he enjoyed busting his little brother's chops, he always had his back. That was no doubt coming from years of his parents telling him to keep an eye on J.J. when they were alone together. What do you want to know? Well, there's this kid in our school, and he's sort of... There was a silence for a moment or two before Dylan piped up. Well, spit it out. J.J. started crying. This kid at school named Danny has been taking my lunch money, and sometimes he even hits me. Dylan jumped out of his chair he was sitting on. He hits you? He remarked incredulously. J.J. nodded his head. He was the one who gave me the black eye a few weeks ago. Danny who? His name is Danny Edwards. Do you know where he lives? Yeah, he lives right down the street. Well then, let's go pay Danny Edwards a little visit. J.J. grabbed him by the arm and suddenly sounded scared. No, if you get involved, you only make it worse for me. What do you mean? Remember, I have to see him every day at school, so unless you're going to sign up to be my bodyguard, I have to handle this myself. Dylan nodded. Gotcha. Well, what do you want to know? How should I handle this, knucklehead? Dylan sat back down in his chair. That's easy. If he hits you again, pop him one. Just hold off and clock him in the mug. JJ thought about the concept for a second. He was afraid that it was going to come down to this, even though he tried hard to avoid that scenario. But mom and dad had always said not to hit anyone, even if they deserve it. That's only if you hit someone for no reason. But when you're the one being hit, remember what a wise man once said. I will not start a fight, but I'll end one if I have to. You gotta defend yourself, or bullies like that will always pick on you. They'll never leave you alone. JJ nodded. I guess that's what it's gonna come down to, then. Listen, the next time he tries to take your money, or tries to hit you, don't say anything. Just punch him right in the face. Will it work? What have you got to lose? Nothing has worked so far, right? No, I guess not. I tried to handle it myself, but now it's like an everyday thing, and I don't know what to do. Four words. Punch his lights out. What if I get in trouble for hitting him? Don't worry, you won't get in trouble. And even if you do, then you could tell the whole story. He'd be stupid to hit you after that, especially when everyone knows what's going on. JJ laughed. If you say so. Trust me, after you hit him, he'll stop bothering you. J.J. suddenly felt empowered. Okay, if he bothers me again, that's what I'll do. If that doesn't work, let me know. We could still pay Danny a little visit. I'll let you know what happens. He turned to leave Dylan's room, 
Oh, Dylan? Yep. Don't tell Mom and Dad. I don't want them to worry about me. Especially Mom. You know how she is. Dylan smirked. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. I won't say anything. Thanks. For the longest time, JJ had been afraid to go to school. But after Dylan's pep talk, he no longer had that fear. He never hit anybody in the eight years he's been alive. But if it came to it, he thought about a scenario a thousand times just in case he needed to protect himself. Deep down, he was smart enough to know that the bullying wasn't just going to stop and someday he would eventually have to do what Dylan suggested. He may not have wanted to fight, but he would be ready if he had to. The day that JJ dreaded finally arrived. He and Matt were playing ball on the playground when Danny approached them. As usual, Matt ran up and stood next to JJ in a show of unity. Matt, go away. I want to handle this myself this time. What are you, crazy? Do you remember the sock incident? JJ could feel adrenaline coursing through his body. He knew that the zero hour was here. Matt, get out of here, he yelled. Matt shook his head and walked away without saying a word. JJ no longer wanted a bodyguard. If this was going to end, he was going to do it himself, and he was going to do it right now. JJ had his hands down at his sides as he turned to face Danny. He didn't want to tip off his hand, but if the bully laid a finger on him one more time, he was going to regret it. All right, pony it up. What are you talking about? JJ started walking backwards as he pretended he had no idea what was going on. The money, hand it over. I don't want to take your shoes and socks off again, so just save me the time and hand it over. If you touch me, you'll be sorry. I'm going to be sorry, he mocked. What are you going to do? Just then, Danny pushed JJ, and he almost fell to the ground, but he saved himself. He knew if he hit the ground, Danny would pounce on him like a tiger. This was the last straw. He lined up Danny's face with his right fist and let her fly. The smack could be heard from one end of the playground to the other. As Danny was falling to the ground, he could already see that Danny's mouth was bleeding. Matt came running over as soon as he saw Danny hit the ground. He was watching the whole thing unfold from a safe distance across the playground. He would have bet a million dollars that JJ didn't have the nerve to hit the bully, but he was proud of his best friend's courage. Nice shot, he commented as they stood over Danny. That sure was a long time coming. JJ seemed to be in disbelief over what happened. He just stared down at Danny without saying a word. Finally, Matt led him away from the scene. As they left, JJ looked back at Danny. He could see that he was still lying on the ground and no one was going to help him. As weird as it may have seemed, JJ felt bad about what he did, even though the kid deserved it. JJ wasn't sure what the repercussions would be for punching Danny, but he did feel good that he finally stuck up for himself. The first couple of days after the incident, JJ kept a lookout for Danny, but he never did see him. Going home on the third day after hitting Danny, JJ sped up as he got near Danny's house. But something was different today. As he rode by Danny's house, he could see Danny sitting on his front porch, and he just watched as he passed by. This time, though, he didn't try to run and catch him. Although he didn't know why, JJ stopped his bike just after he passed Danny's house. Maybe it was because he still felt bad about what he had done. Whatever the reason was, he felt like he needed to talk to Danny. What do you want, Danny said, as JJ walked toward him. Nothing. JJ couldn't help notice that Danny had a fat lip and he was missing a tooth. I mean, I just wanted to say, I'm sorry for hitting you. I didn't want to, but you've been acting like a butthead to me. Danny shrugged his shoulders. Yeah, I guess. Why do you harass me all the time? I never did anything to you. Danny was silent for what seemed like an hour. He finally spoke. You remind me a lot of my little brother, and I sort of miss him. He would have been about your age. Would have been about my age? Yeah, he drowned a couple of years ago. 
Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. My parents never got over his death. They just got divorced. JJ felt safe enough to go up and sit next to Danny on his porch. My name is JJ, and I live down the block at number 51. I'm Danny. I'm sorry for busting your chops, but sometimes I was so hungry, I had to get something to eat, and I needed money. Does your mom or dad give you any money to eat lunch? I live with my mom. My dad moved to California with his new girlfriend. Well, that must suck. Danny nodded. Yeah, it does. Does your mom make food for you? Sometimes, but sometimes she's too busy with her new boyfriend. She doesn't seem to have time for me anymore. His voice was starting to break as he spoke. I'm basically on my own. Just then, JJ had a great idea. Hey, why don't you come over to my house for dinner? Uh, I don't know. JJ smiled. Come on. My mom is making mac and cheese tonight. Well, I do like mac and cheese. He thought about it for a second. Well, okay. Cool. You want to tell your mom you're coming over? He got up and closed the front door of his house. It's okay. She won't be home until later. Danny hopped on the buddy pegs on the back of JJ's bike and off they went. As JJ felt Danny put his hands on the shoulders for balance, he couldn't help thinking how quickly life could change. A couple weeks ago, the two boys were enemies. Now Danny was holding on to JJ for safety. When he got home, JJ introduced Danny to his family. Even though he told Dylan who hit him, he never did tell his mom or dad the truth about the black eye and how it really happened. Everybody, this is Danny. He looked at Danny and smiled. He's a friend of mine from down the street. Hello, Danny, his mom said with a smile. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, son, his dad added. Good to meet you too, sir. And this is my brother, Dylan. What's up? Dylan then turned to Danny and mouth. Was he the one who punched you? JJ nodded yes. Mom, is it okay if Danny stays for dinner? Sure, honey. We have plenty of food. She turned to Danny. We're having mac and cheese. Do you like mac and cheese, Danny? He nodded his head. Yeah, I love mac and cheese. Good. JJ, you and Danny go and wash up. We'll be eating in a couple of minutes. Okay, come on, Danny. I'll show you my room. When he got into JJ's room, Danny told him more about why he was the way he was. He explained that they were a happy family. That was until his younger brother died. After that, his dad blamed his mom for his brother's death, and his mom blamed his dad. His dad finally left one day, and life hadn't been the same for him or his mom since. After hearing Danny's story, JJ felt even more sorry for the predicament his newfound friend was thrust into. Like so many divorces, the kids are the forgotten ones while their moms and dads tried to find new ways to hurt each other, even if it means using their kids as pawns to inflict pain on each other. Like many children of divorce, Danny said that he felt that it was his fault for his parents' breakup. Although this is usually not the case, it's hard for a young child or even a teenager to understand or believe that they usually have little or nothing to do with their parents' divorce. Come on, you guys, it's time to eat, his mom yelled up to them. Before they went downstairs, JJ stopped Danny. Hold up. I want you to know you're always welcome here. You'll always have something to eat or a place to stay if you ever need it. JJ put out his hand. Danny smiled as he shook JJ's hand. Thanks, JJ. I appreciate it. No problem. Ever since that time, Danny and JJ were the best of friends. JJ even introduced Danny to Matt, and the three of them have been tight friends ever since. This original story is based on true events, written and narrated by me, Mr. C. Mr. C's Reading Room is a production of Chapter Marketing Incorporated. Our supervising producer is Brian Sledge, and our executive producers are Brian Sledge and yours truly, Mr. C. 
For additional information on this and future topics, or if you have any questions or comments, you can contact the show at ask, A-S-K-M-C-R-R, at gmail.com.